Hi everyone, I'm Mike. And I'm Jeremy. Welcome to House Calls, a podcast where we take your questions on all things related to homes, design, or anything else about buildings and the places people dwell. Call 1-800-511-6842 to get your questions answered. And remember, the advice might only be worth what you paid for it. Michael. Yo, JK. How's your weekend going? Oh, it was pretty good. I've had a very busy weekend. We have a house build. It's crazy. Clearing a lot. How was your weekend? Awesome. I just got back from JLC Live in Providence. Nice. Yes, and now it's back to reality. All right. Well, what do we got on the burner here? We have a call about a home gym. All right. Let's uh, let's take this call. How's it going? This is Mike and Jeremy at the House Calls Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Excellent. We're doing good. What's going on? So um, I've got a situation where basically I'm trying to build out an addition on my garage that's just a poured concrete slab. It's got little stem walls to it. Uh, but trying to build it out as a home gym and wondering what to do as far as a subfloor. Um, I already know I'm going to get some uh, stall mats that will go on top, but just want to figure out a way to deal with the moisture coming through the slab and that can also support all the weight that. I'm hoping to put on top of it. So, Adam, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Maine, um, Cumberland, Maine, just north of Portland. Okay. Nice. I, I I just get this notion that anything north of Portland is the big woods, and there's nothing yeah, else to Maine. Portland, small woods, then big woods. <laughs> <laughs> so what are these, what, what did you call these things, stall mats? I'm unfamiliar with what stall mats are. Yeah, stall mats, they're, they're uh, pretty popular for home gym flooring. They're four by six foot, three quarter inch thick, really solid, rubber, dense, pretty much non-compressible. They're popular because they're relatively cheap. They're about 40 to 50 bucks per stall mat, but they help, you know, protect the concrete slab that, that a lot of home gyms are going on top of. They've got some drainage channels underneath them, but I'm still a little bit worried about kind of trapping the moisture coming up through the slab, which frankly, it's not a ton. I mean, it's, it's just mostly from condensation. Um, but still, I mean, you know, certain times of year you do the kind of plastic wrap test where you throw it on top of the slab. Yeah. You'll see some moisture collecting underneath it for sure. Yeah. The best way to do that test is to actually tape it. So when you put down the plastic, tape the plastic, leave it for, you know, three to five days, and then that'll give you a good example of what's coming up through. So I'm guessing since you know about uh, what your slab is doing, it's already there. The slab is there, and you're going to build this addition now. Is that what you're saying? The addition's all built. It basically were the... the, Okay. So this was built by the prior owner. It was a pottery studio. But yeah, so I just want to kind of build it out a little bit more. Um, It's pretty level. There may be quarter-inch, you know, variations here and there. But yeah, I'd like to be a nice and level place to work out in. So I'm going to ask Mike a question. With Adam being in... Portland, Maine. Yeah. That's very cold winters, yeah. presumably hot, humid summers. Yeah. Do you think that he needs to protect the room from humidity coming through the slab 
Or do you think he needs to protect, I mean, this is kind of a funny question, to protect the slab from exfiltration from him being in there and the vapor drive being in the other direction or both? Technically, okay, so this was a prior owner home. So the best way to address this problem would have been from the start to put down a good vapor barrier. but Under the slab. Under the slab. Correct. The key is to keep a slab from getting earth moisture in any way. I mean, that's the best way to protect them and to make them last the longest because moisture will kill us slab. So anyway, so it's there. There's nothing you can do at this point. And if I remember from the message that you left on the call line, you were thinking about putting wood flooring or something down, possibly to finish the room, even as weightlifting happens in there. Is that right? Right. So the, the kind of two options that I thought about were one, yeah. tricore, you know, just the two by two squares with the vapor barrier underneath and kind of that little air gap that's built into it, you know, right. like an eighth of an inch air gap yeah. versus putting down a vapor barrier, you know, tight to the concrete and yeah. then just putting something like Advantech over the top of it, just some subfloor, yeah. you know, something that the, the resin going through it and trying to cut down on, you know, the propensity to yeah. get mold and mildew and break down with, with moisture. Yeah. So, okay. And he's done his research. This is awesome. Yeah, this it's, is. A I don't even think call. you need us. <laughs> no, this well, is. Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of implications there. I mean, there I've are heard people talk about even Advantic curling up, and you know how you'd need to anchor that down with Capcons or something yep. like that. But then that, to me, means that you're going to be transmitting some of this force through those Capcons That's directly right. to the slab. You so, got it. But also, I'm wondering about putting down a solid vapor barrier right on top of the concrete that's what i would do no kind of air gap or anything so all right so we probed enough uh we kind of have an idea about what you're thinking about you got the floor mats you might want to wood finish it etc yes i'm with you the key is to eliminate that moisture wherever you can so since you couldn't do it under the slab which is the best place now the second best place is going to be on top of the slab and now if i remember right your voicemail that you left with us you were concerned about the plastic being on top of the slab because maybe possibly it would trap water and create mold. Well, the good news is, is that mold only exists with organic material. Luckily, concrete is not organic. Even if you trap moisture between that plastic and the concrete, you're going to be okay. But the key is to try to allow it to dry somewhere. So you might have to go into like um, heating it in the wintertime or dehumidifying it in the summer, which would probably be the best way to proceed with creating a vapor barrier in there. Now, since it's a concrete slab, you have to be very careful about the flooring you put down. If you want to put hardwood floor down, then yes. You have to be very careful about how much moisture ends up in this room. If you want to put down like the, um, you know, the, like the laminate flooring, yeah. then you could be less careful. You don't have to worry too much yeah. about it. I have a thought. Yeah. I mean, this would be my solution. I would probably take foil-faced rigid insulation, okay? They generally come in four by eight sheets. Yeah. I would put it down on the concrete, excuse me, tape all the joints. I would tape it to the wall, the stem walls, and put it right on there. But I think the entire assembly, once it's all laid out and those mats are on that rigid insulation. Don't listen to Jeremy. Don't do it. Why don't you like that? No, here's why. Because if there's weightlifting going on in there, under a normal room's uh, load, et cetera, it might be okay. But because there's weightlifting going on, there's going to be point load. You don't think those mats will disperse that point load? Like if he drops. No. 
Well, let's find out how much he's lifting first. Well, Maybe he's not lifting very much. <laughs> yeah, <hold on>, <laughs> so, so not not that much, but I aspire to one day. This has been one of my one of my key concerns. The the problem with foil faced uh, foam is unless it's EPS, it is going to crush. Oh, so, you mean extruded polystyrene? You got it. So if it's EPS foam, it's going to be strong enough. Uh, if uh, well, actually, depending upon its uh, PSI rating, but EPS is pretty strong in the PSI department. But usually, the foil face foam comes as uh, polyiso. You're correct. Which is great because it has great R value, but it doesn't have a great PSI value. So I think your weightlifting issue in the room is the real factor here. All right. So I, I would agree with that. All right. Okay. Cool. So to take XPS and yeah. put it down or just a pure vapor barrier, put it down. I'd go vapor Then barrier. a subfloor. Yeah. Would you float the subfloor or fasten it? I'd I, float it. I would float it and I would not float it with the eighth inch gap. I would leave it right on the vapor barrier. Right. Well, and I know Jeremy was making the point about the foam. So height is a concern, yeah. right? So uh-huh. height of the floor yeah. because of door clearance and stuff like that. So I've got probably about one inch. inch and a half, inch and three quarter maybe total. And and the stall mats themselves take up three quarters. You know, just to give you an idea. I mean, I've got some places where I could raise it up, but then you're dealing with, you know, slightly different floor heights. And ideally it's all just the same height. So, so maybe, maybe pick out, Maybe pick out a really high quality vapor barrier and then maybe yeah. a lesser quality subfloor, something yeah. that'll still handle the point load, and then yeah. your mats right over the top of that. I, I don't know that yeah. there's that there's a that there's a best answer for this. I, I think right. you, as long as you follow all of sort of the guiding principles of vapor barrier, the concerns with point loads, and you know that your top piece, so to speak, is gonna are gonna be your mats. It sounds like you have all the right principles, and that yeah. maybe at the end of the day, once you start pricing it out, your your budget will will drive the decision. But I think you're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. I think you're gonna have a great gym when you're all set. But again, try to think about the resale value and how right. far you want to go with your flooring. I mean, how big is this addition, right. by the way? It's uh, it's like a 300 square foot. Um, addition off of actually garage. Okay. 300 square foot is not bad. I don't know what the PSI of dry core is going to hold up to, but... Uh, I'm sure Adam does. He's done his research. <laughs> and again, the stall mats on top will have a dispersive effect on it for sure. Slightly. Um, slightly. But I wasn't really interested in just throwing the stall mats straight down. I mean, because that, that, I guess, is still a possibility to run the stall mats straight down on the on the concrete, which I, I know a lot of people do. I, I'm just a little bit concerned about, you know, we're, we're planning on being in this house for a long time and and I, I want to preserve the slab. So, well, if I were you, I would. Um, when you called in, my first thought was put the stall mats right on the concrete, especially if you'll be weightlifting, because yeah. you know you won't be weightlifting yeah. forever. <laughs> right. I mean, right. eventually you get old like Jeremy and I, and then that'll be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the the other the the other benefit, I guess, I just to, there's that one other factor of leveling and stuff like that, and I. And I feel like again, I've I've probably drank the the dry core Kool Aid here, but they they have those shims, which just makes it really easy. I don't really want to start messing around with leveling compound and stuff like that. I, exactly. You know, and get get in too deep on this. Now, this thing, so. Adam, listen, do us a favor, call back in. If you go dry core, we want to hear how it went, how it holds up. 
We want to hear all about your experience with it because, uh, frankly, I haven't used it. I know of it. JK, you ever used Drycore? I have not. No, neither have I. So I would be really interested to hear how you liked it. All right, will do for sure. Adam, thanks so much. Thank you for calling. We appreciate your call. Thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. All right, all right. JK, I think we have a little homework to do on Drycore because this Adam is completely convinced that it's good stuff. I can't wait to hear if he calls back in. He may have been one of the most prepared callers we have ever had. (laughs) Yeah, he was very well prepared, and he sounded like a great guy. We didn't even ask him if he was a contractor. Maybe he's a contractor. No, I don't think he's a contractor. What do you think he does? I think he weightlifts. <laughs> I, he sounded like an engineer to me. Mm. Do you think engineers are pretty good about Be- like being? Because he thought about a lot of yes. stuff and did research right down to the PSI. How about that, JK? I got a special caller here on the line. How special? Pretty special. I think you're gonna like it. Okay, Brett, ring her up. Hello. Hello, hello. Is this Ruth? This is. Hey, Ruth. This is Mike. Jeremy's co-host at the House Calls podcast. How are you doing this evening? Well, hello. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Oh, we're just doing lovely. (laughs) (laughs) We are putting Jeremy on the spot by calling his wife, who said had a house call issue. And I want to hear about it. A house call issue? I think she has probably way too many house call issues. Do you have a contractor issue? (laughs) I've been trying to find one that'll work. Oh, forget it. Stop it. Both of you. (laughs) Ruth, don't worry. I'm kicking him out of the studio. Go ahead. No. Well, you might know that we bought a project house. Yeah, it's a great place. A very old project house. So, yes, we bought a house built in 1883. At least that's what the deed says. And the house has um, a lot of issues that had been abandoned for a little while, neglected Mm -hmm. for even longer. And Mm -hmm. so when we bought the house, it had not been painted probably since the 1980s. And so... We finally did all the scraping and the priming and the painting. And strangely enough, in certain areas of the house, over the course of the next year, it started bubbling up and coming off. Who did the painting? It was actually, funny you should ask, it was the one who lives, the guy who lives next door, or he's oh, renting from our neighbors. Okay. And he was the person who painted it in the 80s. Well, luckily, let me, it, let me, it was let not me. the guy sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure this guy... <laughs> has an opinion on what's going on. So you're saying that just in certain areas, it's bubbling up. It's the paint's failing. Is it bubbling up as a form of failing, no? No, 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 it is. You're right, because you're always right. <laughs> it's definitely bubbling up, and then, yeah, it's peeling and cracking and coming off. It's not in one particular spot, and it's not necessarily widespread. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's just in little spots here and there. So, right, there's one spot yeah. that's over by our back door yeah. by the, off the kitchen yeah and there's another spot i think that's on the oh um, the north side of the house yes now north. we did ask the painter who painted our house who is a retired professional painter like a union carpenter yeah but a painter <laughs> uh and and so he said that because there's no vapor barrier inside the home, that there's vapor driving from inside the house outward. That's right. And it's making the paint peel. Pretty much. And I have to believe that that's partially true. It is. But why is it only in 
certain areas? Good question. So I have a couple questions. Is your house cellulose blown insulation anywhere? Yes. Did you do it or was it done before you? It was done before us. Okay. So here's what's happening. You have cellulose insulation blown into your walls, which was great. It was a nice fix in an old historic home. I wouldn't call it historic, just old. You know, old home. (laughs) Back in the day, you blow it in each cavity of the studs, but there are certain studs that they couldn't reach. There were blockages. So inside your walls, there's huge spans of empty spaces. And it's in those spaces that the hot and the cold are mixing, and you're getting thermal drive, and it's pushing the paint off in those spaces. Now, here's the cool part. The very cool part is you can buy yourself a FLIR camera, and JK, as a contractor, you should have one. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you recommending that my husband buy another tool? Yeah, it's only like $3,000. It's nothing. So. <laughs> oh, that's it? I was thinking 10000 No, it's like, a, um, it's like an iPhone attachment. It's a FLIR iPhone attachment. You can attach it to your iPhone now, and literally... You can see, it's a thermal imaging camera. Interesting. It's a FLIR thermal imaging camera. Yeah. You'll be able to see exactly where the insulation is missing. And then you have a couple options. You could shoot in foam. You could blow in more cellulose insulation. You can open up the wall and start from scratch. I mean, you can go on and on. It depends on how bad the bubbling paint bothers you. I agree with everything you just said. I am actually picturing hours of family fun with this thing. I have to believe that FLIR, which I know is spelled F-L-I-R. You got it. I imagine that the I-R is... Infrared. Correct. Yeah. So there was one other theory that had been given to us. Let's hear it. That um, sometimes when you have mixtures of latex and oil-based paints, that they don't like each other very much. And so they end up failing... For that reason. I don't think it was the neighbor that gave us that advice. I think it was me, actually. That you don't want to go oil over latex, but we did properly go the other direction. You know, I'll be honest with you. I've heard that a lot along the way, but I've never actually seen an instance where I was like, yep, there it is. I've never seen it because when oil is fully cured, when it's fully absorbed into the wood and the paint is fully dry, latex is basically a plastic. So you're putting plastic over an oil finish. And yes, in theory, oil and water don't mix, but that's when they're wet. The problem is when it's the other way around, that if you were to go oil... Oil over latex. Correct. Yeah, you don't want to put oil over plastic. No. So let's just quickly enlighten the listeners. So if you have old wooden siding on a home, traditionally good house painters will scrape the house by hand. You're going to prime the bare wood with oil, and then you're going to go latex over the oil-based primer. Okay. Do you disagree? Yeah. Here's another. Tell me why. Hold on. Here's another question. Here's another question. Before the painter painted your house, did he pressure wash it? No. Okay. Here's another question. Do you have cedar siding, which a lot of old homes had? This is what I was going to get to next. Or do you have pine siding? I think that it's hemlock, Ah. which does not have the tannins that cedar does. Because when you work with cedar, you would want to prime it in oil. I've never... Don't tell me you've never heard of hemlock siding. Get out of here. I haven't. Stop it. Not unless it's in board form, board siding. I was going to ask then, so if we can go ahead and just can use our fun cam- family fun camera day, yeah. figure out <laughs> what's going on here. And trust me, our six-year-old will be all over this. Yeah. Um, she'll, put, she'll have her field notes. She'll have her little notebook out. Perfect. And we can uh, determine that these are areas where we see it happening 
So as long as we fill this in, you're promise. You, are you are you promising us that this problem won't come back? Promising. <laughs> I make a, I make a one hundred percent money back guarantee. Whatever you paid for this advice, you get all of it back. I've never heard a contractor promise anything ever. <laughs> I'm I'm married to one. I I, I live it. <laughs> Listen, Ruth. Thank you for the call. This is excellent. Thank you for the call. Wonderful. Thank you for only moderately leaning into me. I think that we. I was on my best behavior. I deserve at least a <laughs> bottle of Chardonnay. Oh no, I was talking um, to Mike actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh. This episode is brought to you by Rowan Woodwork, beautiful practical design solutions in Kingston, New York and online at rowanwoodwork.com. Support also comes from the following. JK. Michael. You are in deep when you get home. Why? (laughs) You tell me why. I'm kidding. That's Uh. a good call. That was a great call. You don't have a FLIR camera? I really don't. I, I really should have one. Yeah, they're cheap enough now. All right, anyway. Do I need a FLIR camera? Yes. Okay, just yeah. checking. Your wife does. She's got some nice tools at home. That's cool. Because every time I get new tools, she gets mine. I'll tell you what. Every time I talk to that woman, I think, Jeremy is a lucky man. She is a cool girl. Hopefully that helped her out. Next, we have Keegan on the line. Keegan? Like Keegan Ailes in Kingston? That's exactly what I thought of. Oh. Keegan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we originally had a different recording date set up with him. Yeah. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Now, when I called him back on the 800 line, I said, hey, we got your message. We'd like to record with you. How about Sunday, March 17th? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's March 17th. The very first thing that Keegan said to me was, do you know what day that is? (laughs) What day is that? It's St. Patrick's Day. Oh, that's excellent. And guess what? He shut me down. We had to reschedule. Damn, he had it on the calendar. He had it on the calendar. (laughs) Uh, Somebody with the name of Keegan, I suspect that uh, St. Patrick's Day was always on the calendar. I love it. Hello, you've reached Keegan and Sunshine Fire Entertainment. Is this Keegan? This is Keegan. Keegan. And also Sunshine Fire. <laughs> Keegan, this is Jeremy and Mike from House Calls. It, it, uh, forgive me. I thought it was a recording. <laughs> We're just talking here in the booth. I'm sorry. Keegan, that was the best answer ever on the House Calls podcast. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Excellent. Good. Excellent. So uh, a couple things here. <laughs> First of all, tell the listeners where you live right now. Sure. Um, so. So right now, I live in Detroit, Michigan, Mm -hmm. uh, from New York, Westchester, New York, originally. So tell us about your house call. Well, the the short story, I suppose, is that uh, the previous owner of the house, who may or may not be in jail, um, (laughs) and the the reason I say that is because I, I know that he was in jail. I just don't know if he is still in jail. So uh-huh. we'll, you know, we have a home security system and we'll see how that goes. Well, but, based on that information, uh, been... we will answer the call appropriately, <laughs> assuming that he's going to come get us. But anyway, go ahead. The short story is that the, the house has seen some uh, ridiculous things uh, be done to it. Uh, walls removed that probably shouldn't have been because they were supporting or staircases pulled out so that a hot tub could be dropped into the side of the house. And then why not some kind of weird Alice in Wonderland 
excuse for a staircase being put in its place. And um, so I, I have a hard time sometimes telling like what is legitimate work, um, the answer to which is probably zero, and which is uh, <laughs> some kind of weird hack job. So, so what do you got? So the house is 100 years old. Yeah. The uh, the kitchen dining room now is one room, large format porcelain tile from Home Depot. Nice. Disgusting. I hate it. There's an amazing amount of lippage that we stub our toes on. <laughs> um, but I'm not about to rip up the whole floor because it is actually, I mean, it, it's a new floor. It was just a bad flip that I bought. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know anything when I bought it. It's freezing in the kitchen in the winter. I watched some videos it seemed like insulating around my rim joist would be a thing that I should do. Uh, but it seems that there are fire blocks or some kind of masonry block oh. in like the bays where mm-hmm. the rim joist would I, be. I remember and this call. Okay. Yeah. I remember this. Go ahead. From what I've like dug up on the internet, I guess, um, this it's definitely a balloon frame house. Yep. Uh, and I've I've read about some people putting blocking into these bays. Yep. So that if there's a fire uh, in the basement, it doesn't chimney up through the side of the house. Uh, uh, yeah. Does that sound real? Uh, is it only on your rim joist, or does it go up through the house? Uh, I've opened up a number of exterior walls and just had full. Like I can see the. Um, I don't know what you call the cedar boards that are behind the brick facade. The stud bays are open on the second, third, and fourth floors. It's just in the basement. Um, And this is a brick foundation, by the way. Like normal, like a, I don't know what a normal size of a brick is. Three inches by eight inches or whatever. Uh, So, yeah, brick foundation and then the the rim joists, I I guess, rest on top of that. But then there's these would almost look like cinder blocks between the joists where they sit on top of the foundation. That is really wall. interesting. Okay, so I have seen several times where people have stacked bricks up through the studs, straight through the house, right mm-hmm. up right up to the roof. I've seen the same. Yeah. And why did you is it, now is that is that like an original building thing? Is it, uh, as far as I could tell. My aunt and uncle live in Saratoga Springs, north of Albany, in an 1880s Queen Anne Victorian home. And I've renovated portions of their home, and I've seen that as well. What Mike is referring to, where you might see brick in the stud bays. Right. And I can only guess, because I don't really know, I can only guess that it was used as some sort of insulation. insulation. Yeah, a thermal mass. Yes. However, where I've seen it also is near a railroad line or a busy ah. place in the city, and I always assumed that it was sound also deadening. for sound deadening. Now, let's, gotcha. so yeah. let's well, get back to Keegan because I've, I have seen what Keegan is referring to very recently mm. in an old building in downtown Albany. Mm. I didn't think of it as a fire block. I thought maybe it was some sort of way to insulate that rim joist area. Yeah, but why just there? Why just the rim joist? And not the walls? Yeah. Maybe the walls have brick in them. Right. That's why I asked Keegan, and he said, no, it's just at the rim joist. Yeah, this is a good one. from 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 what I have seen, the only brick in the house 
is the outside of the house itself, the foundation, yeah. um, and then in between the rim joists. But I've I've seen like the old uh, cellulose insulation, if that's what it's oh, called. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And uh, and I pulled some actual fiberglass batting out of a cup, like old fiberglass batting okay. out of a couple of walls, but seen seen no masonry. Okay, but that explains that the fiberglass was put in relatively recently, 50s and 60s, uh-huh. and the cellulose would be around the same time. Okay. So someone may have removed the brick that was in these walls at one time when they were remodeling. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So... That's, that's interesting. Yeah. What if I said that looking inside the stud bays in the second floor bedroom against the exterior wall i didn't see any sign that there had ever been masonry like i definitely would have noticed any kind of striation from mortar lines or leftover mortar itself and i haven't seen the studs which are probably like what 26 feet long or something if it's balloon framing yeah uh they look clean they look clean okay i don't know i don't really know because I didn't stick around for the removal, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that is remarkable. Okay, so Keegan, I'm going to assume that it's not for fire blocking. Okay, because if it was for fire blocking, it would be more than just the sill plates. Okay, like they would want to block up through the house at some point, right? Right. I'm assuming that that masonry was part of the masonry we've seen elsewhere in that the blocks go up through the wall somehow for insulation or noise deadening. I'm thinking back in the day they used it mostly for thermal mass, and then somebody was like, yeah, and it's great for sound deadening. I have a question, Keegan. Go ahead. Where, Where does the house sit in relation to grade outside? That, like, sill area, is it below grade? Is it above grade? How far? Two sides of the house have pavement. One is the uh, driveway, and the other is a poured concrete backyard, and Lord knows what is under that. <laughs> um, Question, where is that Where is that poured concrete in relation to the cement mass between your joists? Just maybe it was used as some sort of mass behind where that concrete was poured. Is the uh, concrete poured right against the home? I don't think that's the case because we have these, these bricks um, around the perimeter of the basement and the, the concrete on the outside is only on two sides of the house. Uh, in answer to the grading question, um, the, the sill plate sits above grade probably by a foot or maybe even two on the parts of the house that have just like raw earth against the foundation. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Keegan, I'm going to say it's insulation or I would have to hand it Mm -hmm. to you if they thought, well, you know, the heat source is in the basement. That's the only place you have to protect. Or maybe it was both. There's a lot of heat in the basement. You might want to put masonry in there. Keep some of it in here. You know, maybe right. it's maybe it's all I of mean, the above. I suppose, regardless at this point, regardless of why it is there, uh, it seems to be. Well, first of all, air definitely makes it in around the like the the perimeter of the brick, like between the brick, the space between the brick and the joist. Yeah, there's maybe a quarter inch, maybe only an eighth of an inch, or maybe just a millimeter. But cold air gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so of course, I could just 
just like take great stuff and, and spray those cracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I wonder if, if I would do better to remove the brick and put in like block foam yes. and spray foam. Yes. Yes. You think that would be preferable if I have the time Abs- and money? Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah. The rim joist is really a location in a home where you really do want to get as much thermal, you know, insulation in there to, to make, to mitigate any cold air blowing in through the floor system. It'll make the floors more comfortable. Right. It's just such a, such a commonly overlooked area that doesn't yep. get insulated and it doesn't get air sealed. Today, we recommend caulking the sill plate around both the inside and outside edge. What I'm picturing in a house that's as old as his, which is a little bit newer than my 1880s home, we don't have a sill plate. We have a sill timber. Yeah, you got a timber frame. Yeah, because you're older than he is. Correct. So today, the standard is that that sill plate is always pressure treated. And underneath that sill plate is a bug guard, which is basically a thin layer of foam. And then that's pretty much where most people stopped in the 80s up until today. Today, we make sure we caulk or even foam under that sill plate before we put that sill plate down because that's where most of your air penetration comes in. And since you have an old home, you're right. Take some great stuff and start filling those cracks. And the ones that are really small, if you can, caulk them. And you can use any type of like weatherization caulk that would probably color match, et cetera. You might want to caulk over the foam anyway so you don't have to look at it. Yeah, I'd start going through that ASAP if you're going to be here for a while. But if I have the real mojo to do it, you think better than that would be removing the block? Yes, and I would. Yes, and, foam. I, and I would if you buy have... a spray foam kit, and I would spray those uh, spray those rim joists. The spray foam kit, or hiring a spray foam person, that's it's just the spray foam. They don't put sheet foam in there at all. No, you would spray it. Spray the bay, and it's done. It's Next done. Bay, Correct. It. It's yeah. it's air sealed. It's vapor sealed, and yep. it's a thermal barrier. Yep. Keegan. Did we answer your questions, hopefully? (laughs) Yeah, this has given me some things to think about. Excellent. Keegan, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Absolutely. Good luck with the house and uh, call in again. There's a huge, huge movement in in Detroit right now. Millennials, young millennials are going there to buy homes. Could you buy a home for like $30,000? I think even less than that. Well, it depends on the neighborhood, but I spend time in Detroit And there are neighborhoods with a Frank Lloyd Wright home in it. And some of my family has bought homes here. And it is incredible. These homes are just left neglected. They're mansions, essentially. And they are affordable. And if you can sink the money into it, you're on your way. So anyway, Keegan is putting some money into one of these homes. It's smart. That's the new America. This is the trend. All right. So anyway, let's wrap it up here. This is another excellent episode of the house calls podcast jeremy how can our listeners reach us they can reach us on facebook they can reach us on instagram so dm us on facebook or instagram leave us a message you can call us at 1-800-511-6842 that's how most people do it you can check us out on housecallspodcast.com that's our website And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're everywhere. There's no place we aren't at this point. On your smartphone? Yeah. On your tablet, computer. On your computer. Listen live. Hey, listen, we know there are people out there. They have many house calls. We want to take them because we have a little bit of knowledge on a whole bunch of stuff. So give us a ring. 
Thanks for listening to the House Calls podcast, recorded at Silver Hollow Audio with your hosts, Mike Wentland and Jeremy Castle. This episode was produced by Brett Barry, edited by Maxine Gross. Intermission music, Loopster by Kevin McLeod, distributed by Anchor. Be sure to click that subscribe button and call us so we can feature your home question on the show. 1-800-511-6842. That's 1-800-511-6842. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.